most utmost privilege to welcome Dr. Maria Anderson to the podcast today. How are you doing? Great. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for coming. So today I'd like to ask you some questions. And uh, Dr. Anderson is a cardiologist. Um, and just kind of give us an, a background maybe of your story and how you decided to go into medicine and where that all led you to here. Yeah, sure. Um, as far as getting into medicine, I apparently from the time that I was a very small kid um, would say that I wanted to uh, go into nursing. And my family practice doc, who was just a great physician, uh, one day when I was maybe seven um, said, well, why don't you just be a doctor? And um, it wasn't as easy for a woman then, you know, kind of in, as a kid, I was only, it was the 1970s. Um, but he encouraged me, and my mom said that after that, I always said I was going to be a doctor. <laughs> That's awesome. So you now did you go the traditional route after college straight to medical school? Yeah, I did, and uh, I had an Air Force scholarship actually um, to medical school that helped me, um, that paid for for me to go to medical school, and then I did my residency training um, and a few years of payback uh, to the military after that. Where were you stationed? In Travis Air Force Base in California and also Beale Air Force Base also in California. Nice. Yeah. So during that time, tell us um, what your specialty was and why you chose cardiology. Um, back then I had wanted to go into internal medicine and so I did my internal medicine residency and became less certain that I wanted to practice internal medicine. I found it kind of stressful to have patients um, with uh, many, many medical problems on 10 different medications for which I had 10 to 15 minutes um, of conversation. And so I kind of rethought that. And while I was kind of reconsidering what I wanted to do, um, the Air Force uh, had me work as a flight surgeon, which is basically a doc doctor for pilots and their family. So it's like an occupational um, medicine physician. And that was a lot of fun. I got to do a bunch of fun stuff um, in that job. And then after I finished those two years, I decided to just finish my internal medicine residency. So I completed a couple years as an internal medicine physician in the Air Force. And then after I got out of the military, then I went and did cardiology fellowship at Brown University in Rhode Island. And while I was doing that, we rotated through all the different kinds of cardiology, and I just really found um, arrhythmias, electrophysiology, to be really fun. Um, so I started doing that and been doing that for a decade. Wow. So electrophysiology, or EP for short, can you tell us what your a day in the life of Dr. Anderson's like in the clinic? Um, well, I split my time between uh, the office and the procedure room. I do a lot of ablation procedures for fast heart rhythms. Um, and I'm also uh, trained and have done probably about a 1,000 pacemaker and defibrillator implants, although at this current job I don't uh, do many of those. Mostly I do ablations, and in the office I treat people with all different kinds of fast heart rhythms. And so where do you currently practice? in Western Slope Cardiology, which is in Grand Junction, Colorado. Nice. So now you have this interest in a plant-based diet, and I know that you use that with your patients and do some other things. So how did all of that come about? Well, um, I've always 
try to live in a healthy way. And also, um, just one of my tenets for life has been to evaluate my beliefs and behaviors and make changes if there's evidence that I should do that. Um, and my family uh, and I have always kind of done some project or another over the summer, especially when my daughter was out of school, um, to uh, to not lose any intellectual ground when she was out of school and for also for just sort of general self-improvement. Um, so we've done lots of different projects like that over the years. And um, after learning more about uh, plant-based diet, um, and after also having myself uh, high cholesterol and kind of borderline blood sugar when I was pregnant and not awesome blood pressure and kind of rising weight, uh, we had kind of changed our diet to be sort of more Mediterranean, but I wasn't really meeting any of my health goals with that. Like my uh, triglycerides were still high, my cholesterol wasn't great. And so for one of our projects, we decided to, well, I decided that my whole family would um, go entirely plant-based uh, for a month and then just see what happened at the end of it. Now, was there some resource that you found or came across, or what was that exactly? Yeah, I had, first I had read all of Michael Pollan's books, and okay. um, I, I had read Omnivore's Dilemma and was really interested in kind of the food system and the junk food system in America and read a lot more about that and watched a bunch of different films. And then um, his uh, book, I'm blanking on the title, but um, where his slogan in is... In Defense of Food or... Yeah, In Defense of Food, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, eat food, not too much, mostly plants. Right. And although he hasn't come, interestingly, to the conclusion that you should eat all plants, that spurred me on enough. And I started learning more about it because I wanted to know what the nutrition literature said about eating in that way. And so I watched Forks Over Knives and a whole bunch of other um, documentaries and read tons of books. And I um, read Dean Ornish's work and his book, uh, Spectrum. And I was, I felt the science was just fantastic in support of just eating an entirely plant-based diet. And so that was kind of what led to the one-month project choice being eat vegan and see what happens. What year was that? Gosh, I don't know. Four or five years ago, maybe? Okay. And so what happened during that month? It was much easier than I thought. I was a person who I think, like many others, felt they could never give up cheese. Never <laughs> give up cheese. And it really was not that hard. Um, baking also was not hard at all. There's plenty of healthier ways to substitute things like butter um, in baking. And um, so at the end of it, I was really pleased with how easy it was. And so I just asked my doc if she would reassess uh, my cholesterol and I had an appointment where I had my blood pressure checked as well and um, my cholesterol had plummeted. It had been 206 for a total. It dropped to 130. My triglycerides had been high at 165. They dropped to 65. My bad cholesterol or LDL had been 106 and it dropped to 70. Um, and I, you know, 
as a cardiologist and an internal medicine physician, I've prescribed statin medications and diabetes medications for years. Um, and you never get results like that in a month. Um, on a statin, you kind of you kind of wait six weeks, eight weeks. Maybe their cholesterol's improved a little bit, maybe not, and you kind of maybe increase the dose. But to have the cholesterol drop by that dramatic um, of a percentage absolutely convinced me that there was no reason to eat in any other way. Wow. So did you have any other physical changes at all or your family? Yeah. You know, I, at that point, um, I wasn't overweight, but I was trending toward that. And um, I, my the, sort of the five extra pounds that I was always trying to get rid of just went away without any effort. Um, and what else? My blood pressure got a lot better as well. It had been kind of in the high 120s. Um, and I had my blood pressure rechecked, and it was 90s over 60s and no lightheadedness. I just felt well, great. Well, you're a little person, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so how about your family? How did they proceed with this? Did yeah, my husband, um, who's also a physician, was really also very impressed um, with how how it went and how not difficult it was to make that transition. And so he and I have stayed um, completely uh, plant-based. My daughter um, felt great on it, but from a social perspective, found it kind of difficult. So she's kind of in, at, at home. We're completely plant-based. And um, out in the world, she's a vegetarian. So sometimes she'll have cheese and we'll work on that. Whenever she gets a Whenever her skin breaks out, I'm like, you know what you could do for that is knock off the dairy again. Right. So she's how, working toward it. How old it. is she? 15. Oh, that's a great <laughs> age, too. So you got better, and then what happened? Was there When did you decide, you know, I need to start using this in my pr- clinical practice? Well, it had been a thing. Like, I had been um, teaching my patients a diet um, for some time, and I had for maybe five years worked um, volunteering for a program for uh, teaching, hopefully, healthy eating and cooking and shopping for an underserved population. And I found that work very rewarding. Um, and interestingly, um, after I taught 15 classes in that, um, I, as a volunteer, I was inducted into their Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And at the Hall of Fame um, banquet, which was also their annual meeting, they had different speakers come, and one of them was um, from um, the Department of Pediatrics at Children's Hospital in Denver, and they had been doing a study of using this program, six-week educational program, combined with six weeks um, of intensive counseling. And you'd alternate one week in the course that I was helping teach and one week in intensive counseling. And it's not plant-based. It's Mm -hmm. sort of healthier standard American diet, but still with meat, although they try to get people to eat, quote, leaner meat, um, still with oils, um, still with dairy. And he presented the data, and the only positive result was a non-statistically significant trend toward improved BMI, mm-hmm. body mass index, after 12 weeks. And I, I was so shocked and underwhelmed um, by the result of such intense work with people, families, um, and so disappointed in the results of that, that um, that was another thing that kind of triggered me to realize, boy, 
I really shouldn't be teaching this to people anymore. It doesn't have good enough outcomes. Right. And um, so I, it was a natural transition to go from, you know, already teaching nutrition to families um, to uh, then getting certified to teach plant-based nutrition because the outcomes by um, the nutrition literature as well as my own personal experience were so good and so I was lucky to find the Food for Life program and get certified in that. So you're certified in the Food for Life program where we met, actually, exactly. in Washington, D.C., um, which is a program started by PCRM or the Physicians Responsible uh, Physicians Responsible Physicians Committee, Committee for Responsible, for Responsible Medicine, Medicine. <laughs> Jeez, Louise, uh, by Dr. Neil Bernard. And that was an amazing program, and you've really taken off with that here in Grand Junction. Can you tell us more about that and what you're doing? Yeah, so... Um, I had to work for some time, maybe better part of a year, um, but found a champion um, at St. Mary's who was very interested in rolling out a program like that. That would again be six weeks, but focus on evidence-based, outcomes-based um, nutrition for treating, um, preventing, and curing chronic illnesses. And so we started off maybe in April or May and with a first uh, course of six weeks uh, with a group of people who were associates at the hospital, people who worked in some capacity at St. Mary's, and it just went great. And so ever since then, we've been doing sequential six-week courses, and we do um, I do cooking and food demonstrations. Um, tomorrow I'll take my fourth um, course, fifth class, uh, to the grocery store to teach them healthy eating and cooking. And I found it so rewarding because people just bring me their cholesterol numbers at the beginning <laughs> and their A1Cs and cholesterol numbers week four, five, six, and they're so dramatically better and people are so pleased. I've also been really interested to see how well people take to it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, of course, coming to a class like that is a little self-selective for people who are willing to make a lifestyle change. Um, but I've had people who are ranchers, people who aren't in social situations where you'd think they would take to a plant-based diet, um, and they've seen such good results and felt so well that it's not been at all a tough sell. And so nice. they get a lot of word of mouth from that as well for you know spurring on the next courses. What well, was funny just this last weekend on Sunday, so we went to eat at a local restaurant, and of course my family's ordering vegan. And uh, one of the workers came up to goes, are you Dr. Anderson? Are you teaching that <laughs> class yeah, at St. Mary's? So I was famous. like, I'm no, so but she's one of my friends. <laughs> and uh, so it was kind of funny. That's and, great. And it was her mom was actually taking the class. Oh, good. And uh, currently. Oh, and, that's great. Um, so you'll have to ask whoever's daughter was working at Cafe Soul. Oh, and, awesome. <laughs> um, so what kind of uh, patient experiences have you had with uh, this? Any dramatic yeah. results? Oh, I've just had people. I had one gentleman in my last course um, start off with an A1C of 10.1. Uh, wow. um, and by the end of the six weeks, he had it rechecked again, and it had dropped to 8.9. Wow. Um, and people just really pleased with how much weight they're losing. One of my first course students just got back to me and said he's lost 18 pounds, and mm. it's still coming off. Um, and just... People pretty universally are feeling really well and having you know, good reports or being able to half or come off their diabetes medications. Cool. And, and I'm finding that those results are typical. 
Wow. Yeah, yeah that, I love that. Results are typical. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so how are your colleagues taking all this? Um, variably. They're uh, <laughs> semi-supportive. Some of them send patients to me. Okay. Um, all of my colleagues kind of, in, specifically in my group, recommend uh, realize rather that um, food is a major reason for almost all the illnesses that we treat in our office. Um, but not all of them are kind of are familiar with the data um, mm -hmm. for using a plant-based diet. Wow. And um, so some of them are, and some of them are trying it themselves. And it's, okay. it's a process. We'll, work. we'll continue to work on them. <laughs> Have you had opportunities to educate them personally? Yeah. And so we've met, and we also had... Um, uh, a gentleman who has his own uh, business putting out uh, healthy plant-based food um, called Hippocrates Table. Peter Goldstein? Yeah, Peter Goldstein. And so he came and gave a talk and brought delicious food for mm -hmm. people to try. And so we have that as a resource um, for our patients. And I've given that info out to a lot of my patients. And nice. I'm still eating some of the frozen samples that, that he brought. <laughs> we actually had dinner with him that same night that he was here with you. So oh, that's yeah. pretty cool. Oh, great. Yeah, awesome. Great. Now, as far as you and your journey, I also hear that you were in a documentary. What was that about? <laughs> yeah. So um, before that, even. Um, a close friend of mine who has run a bunch of TEDx conferences um, asked if I'd be interested in auditioning to speak for one of the TEDx conferences. Oh, cool. And the theme was, in fact, journeys. And so I was like, yes, I have a journey. Um, <laughs> so I, um, I applied and interviewed and um, got a slot um, to speak uh, for her TEDx. And I spoke about my journey transitioning to a plant-based diet. Um, journey away from standard American junk food mm -hmm. to a healthy diet. And um, it's really interesting how much that's resonated with people and how people search for that. Um, uh, recently, I spoke at the Fall Clinics in Montrose, Colorado, where they have like a bunch of different physicians speak on different topics every year. Um, for the whole medical staff. And the way that they came to ask me was because they Googled that and saw that I had done this awesome. TEDx talk. So they asked me to speak about using food for chronic illness. And so in the same fashion, maybe a couple of years ago, um, I was contacted by um, Marilee Jacobs, a producer, who herself had come to uh, eat in a plant-based way for health reasons. And she saw my TEDx talk and asked if I'd be interested being interviewed um, for the documentary, Eating You Alive. Um, and I was very pleased to be a part of it. Um, I think it's going to be a really great movie, which will be released very soon. So they're doing screenings now. And yeah. um, can you tell us who else was in the documentary with you? Yeah, so all the famous plant-based people. <laughs> And me. The girls. <laughs> um, from Denver, Dr. A uh, Dr. Andrew Freeman is in it, so there's a good uh, Colorado contingent. Um, and then um, Dr. Uh, uh, T. Colin Campbell, I think, is going to be in yeah. it, and um, Dr. Caldwell Esselstein. Um, and Dr. Gregor. Yeah, Dr. Michael Gregor. Dr. Furman. Who I'm actually a volunteer for. I'm, um, oh. I work with Dr. Gregor as a social media moderator answering nutrition questions. On um, his website, nutritionfacts.org? Um, yeah, nutritionfacts.org, their YouTube page, 
okay. their Facebook page, their Twitter page, and their Instagram, oh as well as um, this uh, platform that they use for question answering from the website. So awesome. that's been pretty fun. So what kind of questions are you getting when you're doing that? You name it. Um, <laughs> obviously, the common ones, if you switch to a plant-based diet, people are often concerned about where they're going to get their protein. Mm -hmm. um, some of them are kind of wacky questions that I just bypass, but many are great. Like I've had these health problems, my friend went plant-based, they're doing so much better, you know, how do I do this? And nice. Dr. Greger has such a huge vault of videos that are um, easy to digest, you know, ranging from a minute and a half to an hour, kind of on average, maybe four minutes. And so we can refer folks back to that and I'll kind of give them a little summary answer to their questions, but it's rewarding. So what do you tell patients when they ask you, well, what about my protein? <laughs> I tell them um, <laughs> that uh, everything has protein. Um, sometimes people respond to uh, to this, I, I sort of say, Are, do you have any food allergies? And they'll list you know, some fruit or vegetable that they have an allergy to. And I'll say, you have allergies because there's protein in those foods. Um, and uh, if you have an allergy, it's because there's protein. So that sort of points out to you that everything has protein. And I'll also point out that, you know, unless you're not eating enough calories to survive, you're not going to be protein deficient. Um, younger people who are interested in bodybuilding, I'll refer them to um, – Actually, Dr. Greger has a great video on that and to a bunch of really inspiring professional athletes who've transitioned to eating plant-based for their health um, as examples and some websites they can use to kind of transition. Um, so I encourage people to eat a diet, you know, of beans and legumes for, for protein um, as well as whole grains, but again, emphasizing that everything has protein. So when you bring someone into your office and they're there for cardiac reasons, how do you broach the subject of a plant-based diet? Do you give them resources, a prescription? What do you do? Yeah, so I'll first kind of assess their stage of change um, and a level of awareness. And one way I introduce that is to list um, on a piece of paper, I find kind of visual things helpful for people, um, list their illnesses and the medicines that are going along with them. Mm -hmm. I find that many patients' chief complaint is, I want to get off my medications. Mm. And so I'll list their illnesses, I'll list the medications that go with them, and there's usually, you know, eight or ten of each of those columns. Just that's it, huh? <laughs> and then, you know, I'll say, look, um, you have these following eight problems because of what you're eating. Um, I know you'd like to exercise more, that's critical for your health, but nearly entirely um, your weight and all of these illness, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, coronary disease, ongoing angina, heart failure, obstructive sleep apnea, the need for CPAP, um, your diabetes, they're all due to what you're eating. If you'd like, we can talk about how to get off your medications, which is by making permanent lifestyle change. And it's much easier than you'd think. And um, it's surprising to me when you just bring that up, how many people are, are up for major lifestyle change, mm -hmm. even amongst people who you might have written off as, oh, this guy's too old, this guy's, you know, too uh, meat-eating, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but people really are motivated by getting off medicines and just feeling better. So I'll use that as an intro, and then I'll say, you know, I teach nutrition classes. Here's when they're offered. Here's what we do. It's really fun. Um, I give them uh, handouts and website resources. Some people I find um, 
really just want to be told what to eat. Mm -hmm. So I'll refer them to um, PCRM's 21 Day Kickstart, where they can just click a bunch of buttons and it'll generate a shopping list and recipes. Mm -hmm. Or I'll refer them to um, something like Hippocrates Table mm -hmm. um, or Purple Carrot, which is a meal kit. Um, although I have to make sure that they run things by me to make sure it's not too high in fat. Right. Um, but there are a lot of resources. I'll also advise people to watch um, Forks Over Knives. And in the next few months, I'll be able to recommend that people watch Eating You Alive um, it, to get a perspective on how a lifestyle change can impact um, how they feel. I love in that movie, um, Forks Over Knives, where the host himself decides he'll just try it. And Lee by Fulkerson. the end, mm -hmm. yeah, and then by the end, he's lost a ton of weight and all his, you know, blood pressure and cholesterol, et cetera, better. And he's like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Who's now involved with the Plant Pure Nation. And so, oh, is he? Yeah, yeah and yeah. Uh, he does a lot with them. And that's Dr. Campbell's son, yes. Nelson Campbell, who's um, involved with that. So it's really cool. Mm -hmm. So, you you know, I have patients ask me all the time about oils. Can you tell us a little bit about what your thoughts are about including or excluding oils in your diet? Yeah, so, you know, this, the American diet and the Mediterranean diet um, are often very high in unnecessary oils. There's no reason to use processed oils. Um, we need very little fat for bodily functions, um, and excess fat um, is very dense in calories and doesn't contribute to uh, the health of your blood vessels or, you know, preventing blocked arteries or certainly reversing um, atherosclerosis. So in the cooking classes, it's really rewarding because I get to demonstrate, you know, here's how you remove all the oils that you've been cooking with. Um, and largely in savory food, I'll have them replace it with uh, low sodium vegetable broth. Um, so that we can learn to still, you know, to add flavor to things, but then realize that Oftentimes in American cooking, we're just using oil as a crutch. It's just a habit people have. And they'll pour, you know, a quarter cup of oil without even thinking about it. And the same in baked goods. It's really unnecessary. Um, and for salad dressings, we'll teach people to use a variety of different vinegars and mustards, um, things that just don't add the unnecessary fat um, that, uh, that processed oils have. So what are your thoughts and recommendations on salt? Um, salt, you know, when people start losing weight from a plant-based diet, um, their blood pressure will go down, but there are still plenty of people who are salt sensitive. A lot of the salt in the American diet comes from processed foods, and I advise people strongly to get rid of the processed foods, and we'll demonstrate, you know, how to cook and shop for foods that add flavor without using salt as a crutch. That being said, you can add a little bit of salt to foods. Um, usually I'll teach people how to cook without it, and if you need a little bit of that, great, but to learn to season um, in other ways and to kind of layer seasonings and, and uh, choose a flavor profile. Mm -hmm. um, so like an Italian flavor profile or Middle Eastern or Indian or Asian. And um, we'll look at different things in terms of how to knock out unnecessary added salt while keeping all the flavor. Nice. So as far as anybody just giving you any hard time about, like, I don't like any fruits or vegetables, blah, 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 do, what do you tell those people that are just you know, I'll just kind resistant? of, um, you know, acknowledge that not everyone likes broccoli or <laughs> Brussels sprouts. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I sort of just point to the diversity of the plant kingdom. You know, there's 
plants for everything. Right. Um, and so I'll encourage people to focus on their health goals mm-hmm. and realize kind of the information that leads us to recommending a plant-based diet and then help them find, um, you know, some combination of diverse plant foods that they like. And sometimes it's just habit. Sometimes it's taste changing. You know, people get used to the mouthfeel of fatty foods and to the kind of addictive properties of things like meat and dairy Mm -hmm. um, and snack foods. And once you can break those habits and tastes and food addictions, um, then you can open yourself up to, you know, introducing more foods. But it's like little kids when you're introducing food. you got to keep trying. (laughs) And so I'll get people to eat new things in the course of – I make three recipes a week um, in my course. And so almost always I can get people who swore they hated vegetables to find a bunch of stuff that they like. Wow. What have you found patients with food cravings? I encourage people – to do a bunch of different behavioral things. So if people are craving sweet uh, or savory foods, the first thing I'll have them do is kind of get a lot of that out of the home. Okay. And then at the workplace, I'll have them kind of walk walk past it. Um, so, so different behavioral things to kind of get used to not having the stuff around. Right. But then if people feel like they're hungry, I encourage them to eat a variety of high-fiber foods because fiber and bulk are the things that are going to, you know, make people feel full, and then that reduces. I I don't find people have a lot of food cravings as long as they're eating a diversity of fruits and vegetables, Um, and they can do that through the day. Right. Um, So I'll encourage people to have, you know, a pint of berries and a bunch of carrots and, um, you know, a pear now that it's in season or peaches a few months ago. Oh, yeah. And just have stuff around that are high-fiber, healthy foods, and I find that people's cravings are much improved when you do that. So what's been your favorite recipe to, to cook for everyone? Um, well, I just got approval to do a Christmas class um, it, outside of my courses, the Food for Life courses, to do fancier food because I'll make super quick things for the Food for Life courses. Um, so the menu for that is going to be um, a butternut squash soup mm. that has um, tomato in it um, so like a can of tomato and then it's immersed so it comes out very creamy nice. uh, and it's seasoned with sherry and thyme mm. that's a, a big hit um, and then I'm going to make with them a vegetable wellington okay. so pretty fancy absolutely Christmas worthy um, thing <laughs> where there's different layers of different kinds of vegetables and um, we'll use whole wheat phyllo dough without brushing it with butter or oil every um, every strip and so it's wrapped, and then we'll make a mushroom gravy to kind of serve it with. Wow. It's fantastic. That is – so now are you going to require extra equipment for those type of things? How are you going to do that? Um, no. Uh, we have the benefit of using the St. Mary's um, rehab floor uh-huh. on which there's a full kitchen. Oh, wow. Um, that folks who are in long-term rehab have access to. So we get that for two hours um, a week. Wow. Yeah, so usually I'll do a lot of prep before. Like I'll teach knife skills and chopping techniques at the you know first class, second class, and then once they're used to that, I'll kind of chop stuff in advance. And um, I may have a couple things uh, cooked in advance for this, but um, but yeah, we have everything we need. That is really nice. But it's a regular kitchen. I should emphasize, like it's not a lot of fancy Some equipment. 
it's not I mean, like it's pots and industrial pans. kitchen. Yeah, it's pots and pans and a stove, you know. Great. It's, yeah, it's just a good space to work from, but you don't really need anything fancy to cook any of this food. How many people are in your class typically? We keep it at 15 per session. Nice. Yeah. It's a nice group. Yeah. So as far as if someone wanted to find you and look for your classes, where would you recommend they find you? Um, they can do one of several things. Um, the If they went to the Food, Food for Life website, um, they can find the classes pop up there. Um, okay. There's a Food for Life classes thing they can click on. And um, if they go, went to Colorado, they'd find the class uh, there. Um, if they're already in the area, um, they can just contact the St. Mary's um, Wellness Center. Um, I'm just blanking on what the... So they could also go to the PCRM.org website. Exactly. Click on their Food for Life, and that will give the number. Is that the number also for the St. Mary's Wellness Center? No, the St. Mary's Wellness Center is 970-298-6180. Great. And was there anybody in particular they should ask for? Kara Griffith is the coordinator with me and helps me set up and run the classes. Um, but if they just called uh, through St. Mary's, that's where they can get any details they need. Great. Yeah. Okay. And that's, again, that's in Grand Junction, Colorado, which is pretty close to Utah, mm. and um, you're going to have the screening for Eating You Alive October 29th, is my Yay. understanding. We're waiting for the final confirmation of exactly where that will be in timing, so anybody in the Denver area, if you want to meet Dr. Anderson and then Dr. Friedman um, and then the producer directors that you were mentioning will be there, and I will be there as well to cheer you guys on. It's so awesome. Yeah, and that's in Denver rather than Grand yeah. Junction. Yes, in Denver. So... So, Dr. Anderson, I know you're busy and you've had a long day, and I want to thank you again for coming and spending your time with me and sharing this information, and I'm so excited to get this more information out there for everybody. It has been my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. You bet.